you know what we all need more of in our lives is trust. It's the trust to know that the people we're speaking to have our best interests at heart. The people we're speaking to do not have a hidden agenda or anything they want from us that they're not letting on. And we see so much of this in the sales world, almost glorified by movies like The Wolf of Wall Street. And my guest today, Mr. Ari Galpa, is the world's number one authority on trust-based selling. And we both have a big focus on authenticity in our businesses. And I think this is why this is such a great conversation today. I really hope you get a lot out of it. I certainly did. Here's Ari Galpa on Coaches to the Moon. This is Coaches to the Moon, the only podcast you need to skyrocket your coaching business and create true impact on the world. Here's your host, Alex Morris. Welcome back to the Coaches to the Moon podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm joined today by Ari Galper. He is the world's number one authority on trust-based selling, and he's one of the most experienced sales growth advisors in the world. So he's got one book already out and doing amazing things, which is Unlock the Sales Game. And uh, he's got another book called The One Called Sales, launching soon. So Ari, thank you so much for being here, mate. Thank you for having me. Looking forward. It's been a lot of fun. Me too. I can't take my eyes off the photo of you and Richard Branson in the background there. <laughs> yeah, that was a few years back when he was here visiting. Fantastic. Also the uh, Gibson Les Paul in the other corner. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, and, the, uh, and the Porsche book in the other corner. <laughs> Porsche book in the other corner. It's all curated very, very well to impress. And it looks fantastic, mate. It's much better than my little home office that I've been shoved into as my kids have encroached upon more and more of the house. But uh, are all my hobbies. All in one shot. <laughs> yeah, just uh, fine art, fine guitars, and hanging out with billionaires. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My hobbies are, are similar. <laughs> um, I've, I've got an old battered guitar in the background there somewhere, and uh, <laughs> and lots of tiny pairs of shoes, that sort of thing, that belong to my children. Sure. Sure, so, um, sure. Ari, I was super excited to chat to you today, um, not only because... Uh, you've, you've got a great name behind you. You've got a significantly bigger following than I, but because you and I both share a love of trust and authenticity. So in a, my marketing company, we have a really big focus on coaches being authentic in their marketing and their message. Because if someone comes in and you've gained a client by pretending to be someone you're not, then it's never going to turn out well. Uh, you are the number one authority in trust-based selling. So I'd love to ask, when did trust and authenticity become so important to you in business? Well, it actually happened to me in a story that I'll share right now where I got the transformation with a flip happened in my mind. You might be able to relate to this. Uh, but 20 years ago, I was a software um, sales manager in a software company. We launched the first online website data collection tools. Now it's called Google Analytics. I'm sure you know what that is. But uh, back then, we the first one to launch that product. Fast growing business, internet taking off, lots of websites. And uh, I was managing 18 people underneath me, salespeople, and the big leads came across my desk, the big opportunities. And this one contact called in from our website. I got the phone call. He's with a huge business. You recognize the name. They're global, lots of websites. Good dialogue with him. And he agreed to a, a meeting and a conference call and a webinar to, to, to see our product. So if I close this one sale, we'll double turnover of the company in one go. That's how big it was. It was a huge opportunity. So the day finally came, Friday, four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm in my conference room with my uh, director, a closed door behind me, big long conference table. In the middle of the table is the old school speakerphones. Remember the black, kind of black leg, Star Trek yeah. looking phones? 
And so uh, I hit the dial tone speakerphone and I, and I dialed the number and he picks it up and he's like, Hey, Ari, how's it going? I said, good. And he says to me, Ari, let us tell you who's also with us in the line today. I said, great. Okay. Let's be someone else there. Next thing I hear is my name is Mike. I'm CEO. I was like, Oh, this is good. My name is John. I'm head of global it. This is even better. My name is Julie. I'm head of global marketing. Perfect. I mean, everybody on this call was a decision maker. Mm. Like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. They are all there. So I introduced myself, explained what we do. We all logged in uh, to a web to a screen, and I started showing them, clicking around, how we can collect their information in real time. They can log in and see everything. It was the first time they ever saw this. And I started hearing this noise on the phone call, like, wow, this is great. This is amazing. They started asking me all kinds of questions. How does it work? How do we install it? What's the tech behind it? And of course, I had all the answers. I was competent. I mean, there was so much chemistry on this phone call. It was like a love fest on the phone. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It just feels so right. I mean, the chemistry, they got the questions. I got the answers. This is just, this is the dream call. Honestly, there's no pushback. They're loving it. They're amazed. I'm doing what I was taught to do in sales, presenting well, building rapport, answering objections, uh, just doing that what I was told to do. And it was an amazing call. Call comes to a close. Hour goes by. And they said, the guy says to me, Ari, this is great. We love it. Look, call us back in a couple of weeks. Follow up with us and we'll move this thing forward. And I was like, oh, perfect. What a thank you, God. What a perfect ending. And so I said my goodbyes. I uh, reaching for the button on the phone that says off the office speakerphone i'm reaching for the off button by complete accident now it's a divine intervention my thumb hits the mute button instead of the off button they were like right next to each other and a small click happened and they thought i hung up the phone mm. and that split second a voice inside of me says ari go to the dark side be a fly in the wall go where no one's ever gone in the world of selling before so I pulled my thumb back for a couple of moments. They started talking amongst themselves, thinking I had left the call. Now, this is not a trick question, but what would you, what would you expect them to say after a call like that? What would you imagine they would have said? Well, from the response you've given me, I imagine it would be something along the lines of, uh, okay, let's get the ball rolling. And yeah, I guess you'd expect that. <laughs> Well, you'd expect something reasonable like that, right? Yeah. After all yeah. that loveness we had on the phone. Yeah. But let me share with you what they said verbatim, word for word. I'll never forget it. And here's what they said. They said, we're not going to go with him. Keep using him for more information and make sure we shop someplace else cheaper. Mm. Knife and heart twist. I was in a state of shock, Alex. I could not believe it. I, I literally looked at the wall and said to myself, what did I do wrong? And I hit the off button and I asked myself, I don't understand what's happening here. And what I had an epiphany at that moment, I realized that somewhere along the way, it has become socially acceptable not to tell the truth to people who sell. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. It's okay to say things like, yeah. sounds good. Send me information. Oh, wait, we're definitely interested. Oh, hold on. Send us a proposal. Without any intention yeah. of coming on board. Mm. Yeah. And then I asked myself, yeah. why were they afraid to tell me the truth? Why all these games? Why are we stuck on this functional relationship that everybody hates so much? And I realized 
The reason why is there's this invisible embedded river of pressure that flows underneath every sales conversation you have with somebody. And if you don't remove the pressure from the process, the other person will always have their guard up. You'll always be fighting this wall, this armor that they're up against because they're so conditioned to being sold and chased. And unless you know how to build enough trust with someone at a very deep level to bring their, their guard down, to build what I call a moment of vulnerability, you'll always struggle with building trust to make that sale. And that became my whole premise 20 years ago called Unlock the Sales Game, where the shift is to not focus on the sale anymore, to focus only on how to build deep trust with people in the process. It's really interesting because coming in, I was, you know, we're expecting Ari is going to be talking about not lying in the sales process. But you, I never thought about how much we lie to salespeople, you know, all the time. Go into a, a clothes shop and say, I'm going to go and have a look around. You're not going to have a look around. You, you're never coming back, <laughs> that sort of thing. Or even that I was in hospitality for a very long time. How's your meal? Yeah, it's great. Oh, we're never coming here again. That that little, you know, just those white lies to avoid conflict, I suppose, are just um, so ingrained in who we are. And that's... Uh, great that you've you've noticed that and do you wish you hadn't heard that or are you glad you heard that in the first place people always ask me this question okay if you went back 20 years ago from what you know now mm. how, what would you have done in that phone call and the answer is i never would have had the call right because i would have figured out from the beginning what their true agenda was. And that's where we get stuck. You see, we're so conditioned to pursue opportunities that come our way that look like they might be a sale. We have no system or methodology to flush out who's real and who's not real. Mm. So we end up getting stuck in this chasing game and dysfunctional behavior that dehumanizes us by chasing people who have no intention of buying. Yeah. How early on in the process can you start that qualification? At hello. At hello. Perfect. And I'll make the I'll make the case today that many of your coaches listening today are losing their opportunities, not at the end of the process. They're losing mm -hmm. at the beginning of the, of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a um it may be way too, you know, general, but is there a great question you can ask early on to to figure out if someone's serious? Well, definitely. And we'll talk about that. It's actually about the premise of my new book coming out called The One Call Sale this year, mm. which we'll talk about what I call how to go down the iceberg with people, how to right. go below the service level, what their challenges are. Because when you meet someone for first, like this is say you have to do a webinar or you give them a lead through your system and they have a first Zoom call with somebody. I bet you if we play the recording right now, some of those calls, we probably hear like what? We probably hear like, Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. A lot of rapport building, relationship building, and even more, we probably hear what I call is free coaching and free consulting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Right, because we've been conditioned to believe that our job as a coach on a first call with somebody is to show them our value, over deliver, show credibility, educate them, because we think of that we educate them well, then they're going to buy from us. Mm. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if I asked your audience right now, how many of you right now at the end of your sales calls 
usually hear this. I like to think about it. Sounds great. Send me information. Let me discuss with my wife and get back to you. <laughs> yeah. Or if you over-educate, when I was in coaching, it was always, um, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and try it, what you've told me to do and uh, see how it goes for a month and then come back and talk to you if it doesn't work. That sort of thing. Oh, my goodness. Nail what I tell my client, I tell my clients this. Stop delivering value pre-sale instead provide clarity on their problems because here's the thing psychologically they don't care about your solution what they care about the whole time is they're asking themselves this one question the question is this do i trust him do i trust him do i trust him do i trust her they're not they're not they don't want to analyze your program how many meetings you have it's nine weeks long it's transformation that's so far down the road for them. They first want to see if they trust you or not. And here, what we do as coaches, we start educating. And on top of that, we try and build a relationship with them pre-sale. And the problem with that is they know, one, it's fake. Two, they don't want to become your friend. It's from the old sales from the 80s. Oh, how's it going? How's the weather outside? How's it going through? Really? See, we, we put on real thick. So we think our jobs to build a relationship with someone on that sales process. So when I tell my clients is, Stop building relationships with people pre-sale because relationship building and trust building are mutually exclusive. Mm. And when you take, let me give you an example. When you go see a doctor, and I not talk about this in my book, the doctor-patient relationship. When you go see a doctor, do they try and become your friend first? No, they get straight into it. They know because if they do that, what happens is, you won't comply with their process. So what do they say to you first? They say, what does it hurt? Yeah. And you say, my shoulder. And yeah. he says, let me take a look. Is it over here? Ah, ah, oh, oh, wow. Okay, yeah, I think we got an x-ray right away and an MRI so I can understand what the source of that problem is. You're like, okay, doc, they get an x-ray, come back, throw it on the wall with the light behind it. And he takes a red pen and circles a black spot, he goes, you see that right there? That's the problem. It's mm. causing all your pain. And then finally, you feel a sense of relief that oh, someone yeah. has explained to you what the problem is. And they write your prescription, right? And you walk out the door and you go to one more spot before you go to your car. You know where you go as a last step in the process? You go to the pharmacy to buy the... Before oh, you that, you, you go... You pay, yes. You pay him for diagnosing the problem, not yeah. solving it. Yes, how funny is that? And you're so, you're so, so right on how relieved you feel when you have a solution to a problem. And I've never thought of it outside of a medical context before. When my babies are uh, grizzling and crying for a week and we're like, what is going on? It wasn't this, it wasn't this. And doctor says, ear infection. We're like, ear infection. We can deal with an ear infection. We know how to fix that. Uh, and we are so thankful. Well, thank you, doctor. <laughs> and it's so, what a great analogy. My goodness, Ari. So funny, man. That's I, the metaphor yeah. that I'm bringing over to the trust-based model because you have to see yourself as a doctor and see your prospect as a patient. It's not an even relationship. You're the authority. They got the problem. You should not try and build a rapport with them. That when you mix social norms and business norms, 
it mixes everything up. Okay. And they don't feel any obligation to move forward with you because now you're friends. Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, I'm definitely in that trap a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, we all do that because we've been taught from the old sales gurus that your job is to, that they need to like you first before they'll buy from you. Which yeah. Of course, is yes, they don't really need to like you. What they need to know is are you the one who can solve their problem or not? And do they feel that you can connect with them at a deep level? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, not in a superficial way. Fantastic. No, okay. at a deep level. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I just came off a call and I was a bit starstruck by the guy I was selling to. And I would, it was so obvious. <laughs> it was so obvious. He was, he was the ex, um, ex captain of the Australian football team. And, uh, I was having a chat to him and I was just thinking like, this is so cool the whole time. And I kept asking him questions that was so unprofessional. <laughs> so it's probably, probably gone, but it was a great call anyway. Oh man, it's, it's fantastic. Okay. So I'll, I'll take that another level. We've all been taught to build rapport. Everyone in coaching does their NLP certifications and all this kind of stuff. This Jordan Belfort mirror people, you know, um, all that stuff, which is proving to be less and less effective the further we go on. Is there a minimum level of rapport you need to build with a client to make a sale? I would eliminate the word rapport altogether. Sure. Because rapport is service level, not deep level. Mm. Deep level is when they say to themselves, man, he just gets me. He understands me. You know, when you go to a party, you meet someone, you, mm -hmm. you say to yourself, man, he just gets me. Probably your wife, you know, or someone close to you who you feel like, whoa, they just understand me. Yeah. That's all yeah. your prospects want. They want to find someone who understands them. But what do we do instead? We start talking about our programs, talking about our testimonials, showing our case studies. We go, let me show you this, let me show you that. And now you're in sales one-on-one -on -one mode. And they say, well, great, thank you so much. It's been wonderful speaking with you. Let me think about it and call me next week. And now you're like, how did I get here? I got leads coming in. I can't convert them. What's going on here? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Do you think there's a difference if you're selling to a business owner or a consumer? As in uh, it depends. I mean, I, I think this approach applies much more to, to a B2B, more of a longer sales cycle, high, high lower volume, high transaction size, mm. high margin. That's really where this really is effective. Yeah. Uh, if you're a consultant or a coach and, you know, one client can pay you $1,000 a month or $2,000 a month, that's a fairly high, high, high product. So you want to have a trust-based approach because if you're doing any behaviors that sound like selling, it's over. Yeah. At hello. I would agree. I would agree. And I think as someone who's come through the process of learning to quote sell when I was about 24 into a coaching high ticket space, that came very, very unnaturally to me. However, when I was working front of house as a, uh, a waiter in a fancy restaurant selling wine, I loved wine and I could sell the most wine in the restaurant. However, when I first started selling out of my comfort zone, I was like, I'll go to the techniques. What are the tricks in the book, Ari? And, uh, and lo and behold, that business wasn't very successful for a very long time. So for the uh the younger coaches out there are you sort of suggesting they rip up the rule book a little bit well 
What I recommend is that first they have to be open to making a shift. We want to let go of what you're holding on to and what you believe is right mm. and start to make some changes. I'm going to give you a couple of changes that I can start making right away to get some results. I'm going to ask all your listeners and viewers to, to remove one keyword from your vocabulary as of today and never, ever use it again in your business life. And here it is. Now, this might hurt just a bit. I'm going to ask everyone to never again use the phrase follow up ever again as of today. Okay. And I bet if I, if I had them raise their hand and ask you how many have called someone or used email and said, hi, I'm calling you follow up, I'm sure most hands would probably go up. For anyone just listening right now, my hand is up. <laughs> Way up in the sky. What's the only industry in the world that uses that, that phrase typically? Sales. I'm calling follow up. Sales. Sales. And here we are, heart-centered coaches who want to help people. And we're using languaging from 1980s that says to the other person, hi, I'm here to move things forward to make the sale. Follow up. There's a few more classic. Remember the old ones? Touching base, checking in. <laughs> These are like literally 1980s. We still use, they were so conditioned to sell the old way. So instead, here's what you say. We have a whole body work around this we'll called trust-based languaging. You say this, I'm giving you a call to see if you have any feedback on our previous conversation, any feedback on our last meeting, any feedback on our proposal. See, feedback's not going forward. Mm -hmm. Feedback's going backwards, away from the sale. See, we've been taught and trained to move things where? Forward, yeah. right? That's, that's what a funnel is, step A, B, C. So we think our job is to like move them to the sale. But the minute you try and move someone forward and they aren't ready yet, you broke trust with them right there. That's mm -hmm. just one tip. The other tip is this one. Let's say you have a call with somebody for the first time. Call is going well, good chemistry, could be a good fit for you, and call kind of comes to an end. Typically, we say things like what at the end of a call like that? We say things like, hey, how about we get together, yeah. cup of get coffee, follow up, because yeah. yeah. we're so conditioned to move things forward. But if they aren't ready yet, you try and move them forward from the beginning, you've broken trust with them right at the hello. So same scenario, our mindset, our approach, call is going well, good chemistry, call comes to an end, right? And saying, hey, great, how about we move forward? What we say instead is this, we say, where do you think we should go from here? And I'll say it again, where do you think we should go from here. Mic drop. That's massive, isn't it? What a question. You're putting the control in the hand of the client. You're uh, taking away any intention of moving forward, aren't you? It's just, what do you want to do? That's massive. You're taking the pressure out of the process. Mm, yeah. See, we ignore all that. We don't even know it's there, but it's, 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 it's embedded in the process. Unless you're aware of your own self and your own behavior, if you're not pulling the pressure out of the process, they'll always keep their guard up and they will not tell you the truth. Oh, for and sure. that's the goal. Our goal is to get the truth, not the sale. Ironically, it creates twice as many sales because our mindset is being present with them. We're focused on their world and we're taking the pressure out. And that's what releases the wonderful magic that happens when they start moving forward and they tell you they'll move forward on their own.
Mm. Yeah, this is um, every now and then. Well, actually, more often than not these days, we do a, a podcast where I sit in silence after most answers that are given and ponder where I'm going wrong in my own life. And this is one of them. So thank you, Ari, for ripping my heart out a few times. But this is fantastic. <laughs> and for the people, uh, listen, I've got to get me a copy of that book on the shelf there. So uh, this is this is huge stuff, man. And it's obviously, you know, incredible, incredible, tangible business advice. I'd love to keep going on forever. But I want to actually pivot the conversation a little bit something else we have in common which is um which is our children because uh i love that um you you've also got another book called uh, lessons from toby inspired by your son and i'm a new family man myself two young babies twins i had 18 months ago and it's completely changed my outlook on life and i believe as a dad i'm just i'm just learning so much and so I, i'd love to just uh follow up with you about why you chose to write a book about your son toby and what was the the best lesson you've had to date sure so when he was born after about a day after he was born we were told that he had down syndrome and at first we know what the men through our lives we realized we had a gift on our hands if you know someone mm-hmm. has down syndrome you know how beautiful they are they have no hidden agenda they're they're transparent they have they're just beautiful people they're just full of love yeah and i learned from him and wrote this book about him called Lessons from Toby, how to be present in the moment without a hidden agenda with people. Mm-hmm. And I realized his gift that he has naturally is what's missing in guess what, in what world? In the world of selling. Yeah. And so he's kind of our mascot and he's sort of like our hero because I said to myself, if I can help my clients become like him, then the sky's the limit because right now you, your market, your prospects are reaching out and looking for people that are truth tellers. Mm-hmm. They're looking for people who are so authentic that they have no hidden agenda. And I'll ask your listeners, do you have a hidden agenda on your sales calls with people when their leads come in? You have a web, web you have a, a Zoom call with them? Most likely you do from your past. It's embedded in the back of your mind subconsciously. You're hoping it goes to a next step. And believe me, they can tell when you're not a hundred percent present with them at the moment. And if you're shifting to your offer and your solution, and you're not going down the iceberg with them, unpacking their issues, amplifying the issues, building a gap with them, having them own their problem, then you'll never get to the point where you have what I call a hundred percent conversion on your sales calls. And my clients get that because they know how to condense the process from multiple steps into one single conversation now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, um, that's awesome, man. That's really, really nice. And I think another thing I haven't really noticed so much, but you're completely correct is there's, uh, there, there's no, no hidden agenda, no hidden agenda there at all. And, uh, Every time you meet someone with Down syndrome, they are stupidly lovely, you know, hugs, high fives. So nice to meet you. And you leave the conversation feeling better. And if that is something we need to bring to, you know, every day in our business, but in this context, sales indeed. So um, do you, uh, you know, do, do you ever, you say Toby's a massive inspiration for your business. Has he ever you know, is he involved in it in any way? Are you a family? You know, do you work together? How, what's he up well, to now? All my clients know about him. He's 18 years old now. He's doing great. He's in Special Olympics basketball. He's 
he's wonderful and he's really achieved all of his goals and keeps pushing forward. And, uh, and in many ways, he's, he's amazing. And every day I learn from him uh, to be very alert to other people around me who do have hidden agendas. Yeah. And I can sense it uh, with prospects, opportunities, anybody, because you got to be very alert to people from the outside world who try to hijack your agenda. Mm. And especially on sales conversations, it'll happen all the time. You'll get in a call with someone and they'll say to you, so look, I'm looking for a coach right now and I've shopped around for a few other people. I'd like to know why should I choose you and why are you the best? Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> and now you're, you got a big bullseye right here and you start doing the dog and pony show from 1980 pitching yourself. Yeah. That happens all the time. You're being, coaches are being shopped because it become, it's been commoditized. So the question is, how do you differentiate your coaching business? So you're what I call a category of one, where you become a trusted authority to your, your market and your prospects. So on that single call, you either onboard somebody or you let them go. Yeah. No more follow-up. Right. Right. How, how, how long are you getting through this process normally? Is that too broad of a question? What do you mean? How long is the, uh, when you say a one sale call, one call sale, excuse me, does that vary depending on the price point, the complexity of the business? Obviously you can't. Definitely. So yeah. the one call still doesn't mean a signed contract on the spot. If you have a very, obviously a B2B complex, multiple decision makers, you have multiple meetings that have to occur. Mm. But if you're a coach and you have the owner on the phone, Zoom with you, it's, they got a problem. It could happen right there on one call, no problem. Credit card handled, signing up. So it just depends on your market and um, if you have a decision maker on the spot. Yeah, absolutely. And what's the best way to deal with uh, that partner objection? I've got to go and speak to my wife or I've got to go and speak to my husband. Let, let, let's try it right now. So why don't you tell me, let's role play. Okay. You give me the objection and I'll be the coach. I'll try and stump the guru, hey? Yeah. Oh, you know, you know about my show, don't you? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a great concept. I only uh, stumbled across it this morning, but it's uh, so confident. I love the confidence from your show, Stump the Guru. Okay. Um, yeah. Ari, listen, it sounds great, mate. Thank you so much for your call today. Uh, my wife and I, we always make these decisions as a team. So I'll just, I'll have a chat to her. Maybe, you know, give me a call in a week or so. That sounds great. That sounds really good. I think it's a really good idea to talk to her. No problem at all. It sounds fine. Okay, I will. You know, you know, you know what I'm thinking? I'm just curious. What questions or concerns do you think your wife might have about this? Oh, mostly just uh, not so much of a concern. It's mostly whenever we make a decision uh, above above $1,000, we do it together. Of course, of course. And what questions do you think my she might have about this? Um, what are we going to get for $1,000? Uh, who's... Who is this guy we're speaking with? And is there a, yeah, we, will we get a return on this? That makes sense. Do you feel, what, of those questions, which ones do you feel not comfortable answering yet? Mostly, um, I guess, do, do we feel confident making a return on our investment with you? Got it. Yeah, that's very common. And I think it might, if you'd be open to it, it might make sense to talk through that a little bit. So you're comfortable when you talk to your wife, so you have all the answers. Would you like to go through that a little bit before you, before you take off? That'd be great. Yeah, thank you. Great. Okay, so I, I had a role play for a minute.
Love it. Love it. So that's called, see, most people are taught when they get objections, they're supposed to overcome objections. The problem with that is you break trust when you do that because it could be true what they're telling you. So we have a methodology. We diffuse the objection resistance and we re-engage again. What you just saw there was me diffusing and re-engaging with what we call trust-based languaging to flush out all the true issues and go from there. Yeah, all you did was agree with me, but not in a sleazy way, not in a Jordan Belfort way. Yeah, that thing is artificial. It was all authentic. It was just true. I said, that's a good idea. It makes a lot of sense. I'm just curious. Yeah. What kind of concerns do you think you might have? You know what I like is you didn't come out and keep using my first name over and over again. <laughs> Funny you say that, Alex. Now, listen to me, Alex. Something's just come across you know, that, my desk, Alex. That's uh, not natural. It's not, is it? It's not, is it? Why do you think that we are conditioned to think that people skills involve using someone's name a lot, touching people in the arm too much, being overly, you know, almost fakely enthusiastic about everything they say? Where do you think that's come from? And why do you think we're still doing it? Well, it's interesting. When we're at home, we're using our authentic selves. When we go to work, we put what I call sales armor on. Mm. We put a shield around us to protect ourselves from being rejected. And so to deal with that, we lay it on thick, the extra relationship part. Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you, buddy. Hey, let's work together. Let's, let's partner up together. Yeah, like we, we go overboard to try and build friendships, which typically aren't always authentic. And my whole premise is that you want to target and go after folks who have the problem you can help them solve. You want to be the doctor. The mindset is they're the patient. Your job is to diagnose their problem and to amplify the issue and help them understand the losses or gains because of it and ask them this definitive question. And here it is. The question is, is this a priority for you to solve once and for all? Mm. See, they have to own the problem before they're ready to see the solution. It's like a, it's like a therapist and a, and a patient. If the patient doesn't own the problem, man, they're the worst patients in the world. You got to drag them through the process. Like, see, we're not used to that in sales. We're like, oh, great. You need some help? Oh, my God, I can still help you with that. And we just start pouring our heart out. Let me show what I've got. I got the great program, nine days long, three sessions, and we'll, the transformational. It's, oh, my God. Sales 101 all over. And they, they're like, oh, boy. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, yeah, it is. My goodness, man, I think we uh, we've got a lot to learn from you. We got a lot to learn from you. Can we um, can we get you a book over here in Australia? Is oh that- yeah, just go yeah. to unlockthegame.com and yeah. it'll it's local here. You can buy it on the website directly, or hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm very accessible there. Just reach out to me there. We can chat, have a connection, and come watch my live show called Stump the Guru, just like this. Hundred percent. I'm su- I'm super interested in that. You know, as as my life becomes more and more digital, I've uh, started becoming more into tangible books again. You know, I, I was full on audio books. Nice. I spend all my you know we spend all our life on the screen. Uh, I'm I'm yep. reading reading tangible paperback books again. It's fantastic, and so I'm uh, really excited to get my hands on this because this has been a truly enlightening conversation. And I uh, that's 
you know, 100% authentic from me, mate. That's really, really great stuff. And I think fantastic value for a lot of people. So uh, you've already plugged your socials there. You have a bigger following than me nonetheless. So people, uh, hopefully they'll find me from this podcast and you and the right people always end up where they need to be, I believe. So, um, mate, Ari, what a pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Alex. Awesome. And for anybody uh, watching or listening live, thank you so much for anyone on the recording. We'll be back in a few days time with another episode of Coaches to the Moon. Thank you so much. Much love and peace out. Coaches to the Moon will be back next week. Until then, reach us on Facebook at To The Moon Digital Marketing.